This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Well, you know the drill. Two long shows and you get a very short Frank. <laughs> Literally, two, come to think of it. Uh, in any case, let's get started. First up tonight, Dragnet, and a show that was first broadcast in 1949. Here is another in NBC's great parade of new shows. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. NBC brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to burglary detail. A sudden wave of jewel thefts is sweeping the city. In 16 days, 16 burglaries have been committed, one each night. They bear the same trademark. Thousands of dollars of jewels are missing. The thief is a master at his trade. Your job, get him. Dragnets, the documented drama of an actual crime, investigated and solved by the men who unrelentingly stand watch on the security of your home, your family, and your life. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step-by-step step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Tuesday, June 17th. It was warm in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of burglary. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Ed Backstrand, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. I was on the way into work that morning, and it was 7.53 a.m. when I got to room 45. Burglary detail. Hi, Joe. How are you, Walker? Gonna be a scorcher out today. Yeah, just like yesterday. Ben in yet? I think he's over in communications picking up the mail. Oh, thanks. You guys been busy? Yeah, kind of. Jewel thefts. Anything big? No, no big hauls, but he's consistent. 16 nights in a row. Hmm. Same guy? think so. Same M.O. Yeah, everybody's got troubles. Gotta check some records. See you later, Joe. Okay, Willie. Burglary, Friday. Yeah. Okay, Mike, soon as Ben gets back. He's picking up the mail. Right, bye. Hi, Joe. Hi, Ben. Hannon just called. Chief wants to see us. Take a look at these first. What do you got, overnight reports? Yeah, I have these two. Mm. Yeah. Two of them. Three diamond rings, one sapphire, one necklace, jade. Big haul. Look at the other one. Ladies, watch, diamond band, emerald bracelet, tourmaline brooch. What's tourmaline, Ben? I don't know. It must be valuable. It's gone. Mm-hmm. 
Let's see. Owner left house about 9 p.m., returned about 1.30 a.m., found property gone, scratches on the door. Probably using the cellophane method. Hasn't missed yet. Two in one night. No one's picking up his pace. Must have a bag full of loot somewhere, whoever it is. You get the description sheet from pawn shop detail? Yeah, I got them right here. You take half of them. Let's see what luck we got this morning. Yeah, uh-huh. mm. Nothing so far. Mm. Me neither. I'll get it, Joe. Burglar Romero. Hi, Ben. Chief still wants to talk to you, boys. He's got an appointment at 8.30. Wants to see you before he leaves. Okay, Mike. Just checking some buy sheets. Be right in. Better make it fast. He's in a bad mood this morning. Okay, Mike. Thank you. Back strand again? Yeah, he's in a bad mood. Come on. Wonder what's bothering him. Something's bad. He doesn't blow very often. Chief of Detectives Office, Hannon. Go ahead in, boys. He's waiting. Thank you, Mike. All right, ma'am. I'll connect you. Friday, Romero, sit down. Wait till I get the phone. Backstrand. Oh, yes, Mrs. Winthrop. Yes, ma'am. We're doing all we can. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, ma'am. Goodbye. Got trouble, Ed? Taxpayer, Mrs. Winthrop. You two ought to remember the name. We do, Skip. Ten days ago, somebody lifted $2,000 worth of diamonds from her bedroom while she was at the symphony. Last night, she was hit again. Diamond watch, an emerald bracelet, and some kind of a brooch. Tourmaline. I don't care what kind it was, it's gone. What's the pitch? We just read a report a couple of minutes ago, Skipper. Could be a time with those other 16 jobs. 16 jobs in 16 days. You haven't got a lead on the thief yet? Nothing shows up. No prints, nothing. Uh, what about the pawn shops? Nobody's tried to soak any hot stuff as far as we know. We double-checked the detail. We got every hawk shop in town on the alert. Whoever it is, they've got to try to pawn the stuff sometime. Unless they're going to give diamond rings for Christmas presents. They haven't tried the pawn shops yet, Skipper. We sure then. Look, 16 burglaries in 16 days. Jewels and watches. Good ones. Well, it's got to stop. It's got to stop soon, you understand? We'll stay right on top of it, Ed. We're doing all we can. For two weeks, I've had half a dozen women calling me every day. Society women. Some of them figure they should get extra treatment. They're only DR numbers to us, Skipper. They all get the same attention. I'll try and explain that to some of them. They think you're in on the racket. Maybe you boys would like to take these calls some morning. No, thanks, Ed. All right, then let's get some action. Keep the pawn shop operators on their toes and get after every known fence in town. That's all. I've got an appointment. All right, Ed. Check you later. Holding a call for you, Ben. Oh, thank you. Hello. Oh, hi, Max. What? What? Well, hold it. Be right down. First break, Joe. What do you got? Necklace and a watch. Both of them on the stolen property list. Where? Henry's Pawn Shop, 5th and Main. Six minutes later, at 8.25 a.m., Ben and I drove up in front of Henry's Square Deal Pawn Shop. Quick cash. No red tape. Watches bought and sold. The proprietor was Max Murphy, an old friend of Ben's. Well, pal, of all days, it had to happen yesterday. Took the day off and went fishing up at Big Bear. I left my nephew in charge, Harry. A real knothead, that kid. How do you mean, Max? Joe, if I told him once, I told him a hundred and once. Whatever you do, whatever they come in with to hawk, check it with the list. Check it with the stolen property list. What does he do? He forgot. He forgot. Oh, a real knothead, that boy. How old is he, Max? Thirty-two. A real knothead. I checked the slips from yesterday. Then I checked the stolen property list. There it is. Hot stuff. When the stuff come in, Max, do you know? About four o'clock yesterday afternoon. Can we look at it? Oh, sure. Yeah, back here behind the car. There it is. Did you check out the serial numbers on the watch yet, Max? When I found out, yes. They match to a T. All right, let's see. Yeah. Description on this necklace matches, too. 
Let's have a look at your Bible, huh, Max? Yes, sir, Joe. Here you are. There's a deal right there. Here? Yeah, that's him. That's how he gave his name. Uh, Walter Tracy, 132 and a half Blackstone Court, Los Angeles. Let me check the book for the description, man. Oh, sure. Yeah, here. Mm-hmm. Okay, Max, thanks. We'll be checking with you later. Sure, Joe. Anytime. Sorry. All right, Max. See you later. Yeah, you fellas take it easy. Right. I want to check and see if we're clear, Joe. Yeah, I will. 80K to control one. 80K to control one. Are we clear? Control 1 to 80K, stand by. Good lead, Joe. Got a description in here. Yeah, it's too bad Max's nephew had to slip up. Control 1 to 80K, call your office immediately. Call your office immediately. KMH, Wonder what that's about. No, no, I'll call in. You got some change? I'll use Max's phone. Use your phone a minute, Max. Oh, you bet. Sure, help yourself. Thank you. City Hall. Two five two four. Two five two four. Burglary, Levine. This is Ben, George. You got something? Hot one. Universal loan shop, sixth and Barton place. Guy just took in a couple of rings. He checked too late. What you mean? He checked the form after the guy left. It was signed Walter Tracy. There they are, Sergeant. Both rings. Fine quality diamonds. Don't you usually check your stolen goods list before you take in stuff like this? Usually, yes. Last night, no. I don't know what I was thinking about. We have a look at your buy book. Right here. There it is. Walter Tracy. 699 Olive Street, 145 pounds, 5 foot 9, dark hair, build, thin. You'll have to slap a hold on these rings. I know, I should have told. Can you think of anything else that might help us to identify the man? No. Had a light suit on. Nice cut. Very well dressed. Thank you, that's all for now. Here's a card. If the guy happens to drop back, give us a call, will you? Sure will, Sergeant. Say. Yeah? I've got some nice watch bands. Yours look gold. Can I interest you? No, thanks. Some other time. Come on, Ben. That afternoon and the following morning, despite our alert and our warnings, two more pawn shops called in with reports of stolen watches taken in. We checked them out. The serial numbers on the watches matched those on the stolen property list. On the pawn shop account books, the loan was listed under the name Walter Tracy. The addresses were given as number 12 St. Vincent Place and 700 East Flower. The descriptions of the man were the same. Slight build, well-dressed, about 145 pounds, 5 feet 9 inches tall, dark wavy hair. We had the name and description distributed to every pawn shop in Los Angeles and surrounding communities. Through our informants, we checked up on every known fence in the city. For the next two nights, we received no reports of stolen jewels. That made up for the double burglary the night before. On June 19th, the box score read 18 successive nights, 18 successive jewel burglaries. At 3.25 in the afternoon, Ben and I sat down to check over the late incoming reports. Got anything, Joe? No, not yet, no. Mm, nothing here. Maybe the guys left town. Nope. No such luck. Take a look. That's it, number 19. He may set a record. Well, he's making monkeys out of us, isn't he? Look, 
Man's watch, lady's watch, Chinese amber necklace, diamond shirt studs, and a bracelet with two large rubies. He's getting ambitious. How's the value listing? Let's see. $1,800. One haul. I'll get it. Burglary Friday. Yeah. What? Yeah. You're right down. Stall him. Let's go, Ben. Where? Kaplan's down on East 2nd. Walter Tracy's in there now, trying to hock a gold watch. Ben, cover the door. I'll give it a look like I'm shopping around. Right, but watch your step. We don't know this guy. Yeah, stay close to the door, huh? I'm sorry. That's the best we can do on the watch. Look, Mac, this is gold. 21 jewels. Well, that's the best I can do. Ah, drop dead. What's the best I can do? Don't get sore. Yeah, sure. See you later. That's him, Sergeant. Wallet Tracy. I stalled him as long as I could. All right, I'll check back with you later. Did you spot the guy that just came out? Yeah, I went up straight. Let's follow him. Hustle it. You spot him, Ben? Straight ahead, about 15 yards. He's crossing the street. Yeah, let's get up a little closer. We're losing, sure, if the light changes. Come on, run for it. What's the traffic like? Yeah. That was close. You might have spotted us. It's going faster. Come on, Joe, run. Yeah. Don't lose him. This crowd's not helping. Hey, hey, wait a minute. I bet you're a cop. You're chasing somebody. All right, let go of my arm, mister. Let go. Well, you don't have to get tough. Lousy cop, take the owner's street. I'm going to write the mayor's off. Come on, Joe. He's running for him. Yeah, I see him. Watch the signal up ahead. Hurry, Joe. Almost up to me. Into the parking lot. Hey, you! Stop! Look out, Joe. A gun! Yeah, I see. All right, get away. All get right, away, smart guy. It's a nice job. Yeah. He's too fast for an honest man. Let's take him in. When we got back to headquarters, Walter Tracy was under technical arrest. We took him directly to the interrogation room. We searched him thoroughly. We had him take everything out of his pockets and put it on the table. Then we had him take all the money he had in his wallet, count it out, and hold it in his hand. What is all this routine? That's all the money you have on you? $47.17, right? Yeah. Okay, keep it in your hand. Ben, shake him down. All right, Tracy, take off your coat, shirt, tie, and your shoes and socks. What kind of a pitch is this? I'm no hood. Take them off. Two big cops. You're not pinning anything on me. I don't care what you do. Sleeves. Pockets lining. Nothing in the coat, Joe. Get his shirt. Take it light with the threads, huh? Cost money. How about the trousers, Ben? Let me see. Cuffs. Pockets. No. Let me get the belt. Zipper on the inside of the belt? No, it's clean. Shoes are okay. All right, Tracy. Let's see the soles of your feet. I hope you don't mind. Uh, they're dirty. Why don't you take a shower? Let's see. All right, Joe. Nothing. Put your toes back on. Yeah, thanks. All right, you. What's your name? Huh? I said, what's your name? You telling jokes? Walter Tracy. You know that. Your real name. How old are you, Tracy? 27. Where do you live? No place. Just got in town a couple of days ago. Where are you from? Salina, Kansas. Where you been sleeping the last two nights? The park, Pershing Square. Clothes don't show it. Pretty natty. I had them pressed. Where? Down by the square. I don't remember. You ever been arrested before? No. Where'd you get this gun, Tracy, the one you pulled on us? I didn't know who you were. Could have been a couple of hoods. <laughs> you kind of look like it. Where'd you get the gun? I won it in a crap game coming out on the train. Where'd you get the watch? 
graduation present. You want to run a make on him, Joe? The gun and the watch? Yeah, I'll call him. Go on, check. You can't prove a thing. Pawn shop records, Gilmore. Joe, this is Friday. Can you give me a make on a watch? Sure, Joe, go ahead. Time master, yellow gold, man's wristwatch. Okay. Case number 716F23. Right. Movement number B351708. Got it. Okay. Now give me a make on this gun, huh? 32 S&W automatic. Serial number 579461. Okay. Call me back. Right. What's your station number? 2572. I'll ring you, Joe. Thanks. Having fun? What'd you do with all those jewels you stole? When do I get out of here? I don't think you're going to get out. You got nothing on me. How tall are you, Tracy? Get your tape measure. Five, nine. How much you weigh? 140. I'm 27. My name's Walter Tracy. I come from Salina. I've been in town two days, and I don't know what you guys are talking about. You sound smart. You don't act it. And you're flying Brian, copper. What'd you do with those jewels you stole? I don't know what you're talking about. What color are your eyes? <laughs> I don't know. I'm colorblind. What color would you say your hair is? You colorblind, too? You ever been arrested before? Straighten out. He asked me that. I'm asking you. No. You ever done any big time? No. All right, I don't care if you level with us or not. We're going to make you on those prowl jobs, all 19 of them. Sure, sure. You guys are smart. You got in Los Angeles two days ago, is that right? Yeah. You don't know anything about any jewel thefts? That's what I said. Then how come your name and your handwriting's on the account books in four pawn shops in Los Angeles? Not mine. You can't prove it. We can, Tracy. Come clean. What'd you do with the stuff you stole from 1250 Moraga Drive, June 5th? I didn't steal any stuff. What'd you do with the rings and watches you took from 1400 Placerville Road, June 9th? I wasn't in town. What'd you do with the diamond dress pins you stole June 13th, 123 South Van Ness? Did I do that? You're not only kinky, you're a bad liar. You prove it. Border, get you a saw buck, your prints bounce, Tracy. Our handwriting man's gone to work on those signatures of yours. You haven't got a chance. Now, come on. Where'd you hide this stuff? You can't prove a thing. Where'd you say you've been sleeping the last two nights? In the park, Pershing Square. You want a map? Clothes sure look nice. I said I had them pressed. But you can't remember where. No, I can't remember where. That a crime? Friday talking. Joe, this is Gilmore. Here's the stuff you asked for. Let's have it, Joe. No make on the watch, no make on the gun. Okay, Gil, thanks a lot. Yeah. You're in up your neck. You said that, didn't you? You're gonna talk, Tracy. Kinda tired. All right, we'll let you sleep on it. Come on, Ben, let's book him. Right. I'll get your jobs, coppers. Sure. Come on. We took Walter Tracy to the county jail and had him booked on suspicion of burglary. He was still sullen. We knew we had the guilty man. Now we had to prove it. As it often happens, the victims never see the burglar. They only know he's been there. They can't identify him, but they can identify their property. Our job was to find the property. When we did, we'd have Walter Tracy. And the 19 victims would have their property returned. But Tracy wasn't talking. We knew he'd never talk unless he thought it might help him. We took the problem to Ed Backstrand. Smart punk, Skipper, but he's done time before. How do you know? Tried him out last night when we brought him in. He talks like it and he acts like it. But he won't cop out. Are you sure? He won't talk in a hundred years. He knows he's got us in the spot. And one thing's sure. We're not going to send him up without finding the loot first. He's planted the stuff somewhere in this city. We've got to find it. Ben and I have got an idea, Ed. Not going to be easy, but it might work. What is it? Tracy tried to soak some of the stolen property at four separate pawn shops in the downtown area. Yeah? 
At each one of those four pawn shops, he gave a local address. Now, we're sure he must have a room or an apartment someplace in town. All right. Well, that's where our guesswork comes in, Skipper. Every one of those addresses he gave falls within a certain area. How big an area? Oh, uh, you've got that street diagram, Joe? Yeah. Here it is, Ed. From uh, Figueroa here, San Pedro, and from uh, Pico down to First Street. The area's about 12 blocks wide, 14 blocks long. Mm. That's a lot of territory. How are you going to cover it? On foot. We'll take Tracy with us. Plenty of legwork. You sure it's the answer? We've got to find the stuff, and it's the only way we can figure it. Hotels, apartments, rooming houses. There must be hundreds of places he could stay in that territory. It'll take a couple of weeks. Yeah, on foot it will. All right. It's tough, but it's your idea. Go to it. An hour after we left Chief Backstrand, we got Tracy out of his cell in the county jail and started our canvas of the appointed area. We took the usual precautions and handcuffed Tracy's wrists to our own. We started the search for his hideout at First Street in Figueroa. It was a warm day in Los Angeles. The temperature was 91. After the first three hours, I could tell Ben's feet were ready to give out, and so were mine. We couldn't even have the comfort of complaining. That had encouraged Tracy, and he was cocky enough already. He cursed and You're threatened every step of the way. My legs off. All right, quit pulling, will you? Come on, Tracy, up the stairs. Another one to check. Warm day, Joe. Yeah, a little. What do you mean, a little? Must be 110. Yes? What is it? You the manager? Yes. Could you tell me which apartment this man has in your house, ma'am? Who, him? Yes, ma'am, this one. Never saw him before. He don't live here. All right, ma'am, thank you. Yeah, hot, ain't it? When are you going to get wise? Come on, Tracy. Well, that finishes this side of the street. You want to cross over, Joe? Yeah, let's go. I'm hungry. I want to eat. After we cover the other side of the street. You can't do this to me. I'm going to get a lawyer. I'll have your jobs, both of you. Yeah, uh-huh. come on. We only got a couple of hundred places to go. Hi, gents. What can I do for you? You the manager? I run the place, yeah. Which room does this man have in your place? Him? You made a mistake. He doesn't live here. All right, thanks. My feet are killing me. Wait till I get a lawyer. I'll burn both of you dumb cops. What do you think you're doing anyway? All that day and the day after that and the day after that, Ben and I, with Tracy handcuffed to our wrist, canvassed the designated areas from hotel to hotel, from rooming house to rooming house, and the apartments, too. Every day, our feet ached a little more, our pace slowed down, Tracy got more irritable, and the weather got hotter. The second day, it reached a high of 92. The third day, 94. The fourth day, 94. Police regulations say plainclothes officers must wear a coat and necktie on the street at all times. We wore our coats and neckties. The search continued into the fifth day. Our pace got even slower. Ben and I started to lose heart. After a while, we forgot our object was to recover the stolen jewels. All we wanted was to find Tracy's hideout. We knew we were right. We knew Tracy was our man. It was a point of pride. Whether your feet hurt or not, you don't give in to a thief. Yes? What do you want? You're the landlady here. I am. Which apartment does this man have in the building? Well, none of them. He's not one of my tenants. Thank you, ma'am. Come on, Tracy. By the sixth day, all three of us had special pads in our shoes. Our feet ached worse than ever. Tracy let us know about his every three minutes. 
By late afternoon of the sixth day, we'd covered more than half of the designated area. The temperature was 95. You guys gonna go on forever? I'm sweating like a horse. I'm getting tired of your moaning. That looks like the manager behind the desk. Yes, sir? You the manager? Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Can you tell us which room this man has in the hotel? Him? He doesn't live here. Hey, uh, you fellas look awfully warm. Like to cool off in the lobby? We're air-conditioned. No, thanks. I'm hungry. When do we eat? You're always hungry. You got the biggest mouth on a cop I ever saw. Oh, All right. Yeah. I'm hungry. I want to eat. Now. Wait till I give this story to the papers. Mistreating innocent guys. They'll break you. All right. Come on, up the stairs. I'm going to get a lawyer tonight. I'll show you. Yes? Why, Mr. Baker, where have you been? We questioned the landlady, a Miss Elizabeth Hunter. She told us that Baker, alias Tracy, had rented an apartment from her about two months before. That's all the information she could give us. Tracy clammed up. He would admit nothing. We asked Miss Hunter to accompany us as a witness. We took the elevator up to Tracy's apartment on the sixth floor. Miss Hunter, Tracy, Ben, and I. Down this way. Here. Do you want me to open it? Please, Miss Hunter. What? There's a girl. Walter? What is it, Walter? I told you to get out of town if I didn't come back. I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave without you. I thought you slept in the park. Uh, take a jump. Where's the stuff hidden? All right, Ben. Handcuff him to a chair. The girl behind him. We'll find the stuff ourselves. All right, Tracy. All right, you next. I haven't done anything either. See, you can't prove it. Billy, shut up. That's better. No talking between you two. If we'll separate you. All right, Ben. You take the living room here. I'll try the kitchen. And get a window open. It's hot in here. All right. Sergeant, you will be careful of the furniture. Yes, ma'am. I had no idea. You, Mr. Baker, of all people. Don't talk to him, please, ma'am. Oh, yes. (gasps) Tin cop. Why don't you spell? Ben, look. It's only the beginning. He's got the stuff scattered seven ways for Sunday. We're going to need help. In the milk bottle? Yeah, two rings, three loose diamonds, and this bottle of mayonnaise. We found some kind of a brooch in it. A couple of watches taped to the underside of the kitchen sink. All right, you. Convinced? Okay, Ben, call Backstrand. There was a definite possibility that Walter Baker, alias Tracy, had stored some of his stolen loot outside his apartment. We stood little chance of ever recovering it unless we got him to break. Ben called Chief Backstrand, and in ten minutes he arrived at the apartment with another man from burglary detail, George Levine. Together we went over the four-room apartment foot by foot. We found jewelry, watches, loose stones in every conceivable place. In cartons of cottage cheese, in jars of cold cream, in the garbage can, everywhere. Who's your girlfriend? All right, I'll ask her. What's your name? I said, what is your name? Billy. Billy Crawford. He didn't do anything. He didn't. All right, Billy. Maybe you can tell us. Where's the rest of the stuff he stole? He didn't steal. He didn't steal anything. Billy, shut up. Keep quiet, you. Ed, wait a minute. What? Just a minute. I want to look over here. Papers. Taped to the underside of that top drawer. What is it, Friday? No, no, you can't, you can't. Look at these. All right, you found them. I'll talk. No, Walter, don't. Parole papers. He's an ex-con. Yeah, I'll cop out. Don't do it, Walter. Billy, shut up. 
dumb dame. The rest of the stuff, where is it? On the roof. Inside the ventilator, the one near the front, you'll find a couple of paper bags. That's it. Levine? Got it, Chief. I'll check it. Your papers say you did time in Oregon. What for? Fell for robbery. Did five. I owe him seven. What about the girl? Walter, I'm going with you. Her? I don't know. You figure it. All right, Friday. Romero, take the girl to Lincoln Heights and book her. We'll take him. Right, Ed. Come on, Ben. No. No, Walter, I want to go with you. I'm sorry, ma'am. This way out. All right, easy, lady. No, no, wait a minute. Just a minute. Walter? You're a dumb dame, Billy. So long. Walter. All right, come on, let's go. What's the matter? You feel all right? You lied. You said he loved me. You lied to me. Don't feel hurt, lady. He lied to everybody. The story you have just heard is true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. Walter Baker, alias Walter Tracy, was tried and convicted on three counts of first-degree burglary and received the maximum sentence prescribed by law. He is now serving out his term in the state penitentiary. A hold has been placed on him by the state of Oregon, where he will serve out seven years for violation of parole. Billy Crawford, Baker's accomplice, was tried and convicted of receiving stolen property and is now serving time in the state penitentiary for women. You have just heard the 11th in a new series of authentic cases transcribed from official police files. Technical advice for Dragnet is furnished by the Los Angeles Police Department. Tonight's program is dedicated to Warden Clarence A. Larkin of Folsom Prison, Sacramento, who, on the evening of September 24th, 1937, gave his life so that yours might be more secure. Dragnet came to you from Los Angeles. If you enjoyed tonight's production of Dragnet, you'll want to listen this Saturday evening to a pair of adventure shows featuring two well-known Hollywood personalities. You'll enjoy Brian Donlevy, star of Dangerous Assignment. Also on Saturday's schedule is Richard Diamond, private detective, as played by the screen's romantic tough guy, Dick Powell. Listen to both of these exciting programs this Saturday over most of these same NBC stations. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Stay tuned for Honest Herald next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Honest Herald, who is portrayed by Harold Perry, better known as the Great Gildersleeve. The Harold Perry Show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, Harold Perry as Honest Harold, the homemaker. Well, here we are in Melrose Springs again, where at the moment most of the housewives are listening to their favorite morning radio program, Honest Harold, the homemaker. Let's tune in and listen to Honest Harold, who is just telling his listeners about his new project. And so, girls, let's all get behind this drive for the sunny side of 70 Club, clubhouse where the old folks can enjoy their leisure time. 
Ladies, if you can't send cash, send us books and old games. Anything around the house you don't need. Of course, don't send us your husband. Oh, <laughs> uh, hello, Gloria. Oh, good morning, Harold. How's the mail for the sunny side of 70 Clubhouse coming in? It's not. <laughs> Golly, Mr. Hemp, I'm sorry your campaign to help the old folks isn't going over. Yeah, so am I, Gloria. Everybody sort of forgets about the old people and how lonesome they must get. I just thought they deserve a clubhouse where they could get together, play games, have some fun in life. Remember the old saying, Gloria? The years pass silently, but old age creaks up on you. <laughs> Gee, someday I'll be old. Hmm? I'll have children, then grandchildren. Then great-grandchildren. Oh, what'll I do? Well, I'd get married first. <laughs> do you really think I should, Harold? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, when the proper young fellow comes along. Oh. Yeah. Speaking of proper young fellows, how is our dear boss, Stanley Peabody, this morning? Oh, him? Yeah, I know what you mean. Why is it with all the nice radio station managers in the country we had to get that pickle face? Is that you, Hemp? Oh, hello, Pickle... Fa I mean, Peabody. <laughs> oh, Hemp. Uh? I just received the results of the intelligence test we gave our employees here at the radio station. Uh? Just thought you'd like to know. You came out at the top of your classification. Well, did you hear that, Gloria? The top, eh? Yes, you're the smartest moron working here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Smartest moron. Gee, you came in first. I came in sixth. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I didn't do so bad after all. <laughs> See you later, Gloria. Hmm. A lot of traffic today. Four cars and a bicycle. Guess I'll cross the street here. Watch out where you're going. <laughs> out of state license. Careful there, Sinatra. What? Oh, it's old Doc Yak Yak. Would you like a Boy Scout to help you cross the street, madame? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very funny, you old horse doctor. Well, I'd rather be doctoring a horse than most people I know. Present company accepted. Why, yes, of course. How is the veterinary business, Doc? Well, just getting back from a house call. Jeff Peters' cow is ailing. Oh? Uh, sinus trouble. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it serious? Couldn't tell. It was kind of hard to examine her. Mm -hmm. Jeff was milking her at the same time. <laughs> What's new with you, crooner? What's your latest crusade? Well, it's not exactly a crusade, Doc. But I am campaigning for that sunny side of 70 Recreation Hall. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. It's all right, my boy. But people are always worrying about people. Mm -hmm. It's about time somebody started worrying about animals. What? Well, animals get old, too, you know. Now, Doc. You never heard of a home for elderly gophers. <laughs> Why, that's silly. Nobody ever started a pension plan for Cocker Spaniels over 60. Oh, Doc. What about a recreation hall for our old four-legged friends? You never saw two cows playing canasta. Yeah. Go vaccinate a mule, will you, Doc?
I'm home. Oh, hello, Harold. Did you have a nice day? Well, pretty good, Mother. Oh, and I have a wonderful surprise, Harold. We're having a guest for dinner. A guest? Who? Well, he came to the door to sell me something. He was such a nice man. And we got to talking, and he said he hadn't had a home-cooked meal for so long. But you don't know anything about him, Mother. Why, he might turn out to be a crook or something. Oh, he couldn't be dishonest with a name he has. Oh, what is his name? Sincere Sam Smith. Oh, <laughs> oh brother. <laughs> now, Harold, Mr. Smith is a very honest man, I can tell. Huh? He has especially large earlobes. Large earlobes? Mm -hmm. Oh, Mother. <laughs> oh, you can always judge people by their earlobes. Mother, it's wonderful to be sweet and trusting, but you're much too gullible. It's a good thing you've got me to protect you from these shady characters. Yeah, probably him now. I'll take care of him. Sincere Sam Smith. But he's a real slicker. Probably wears two-toned shoes. I'd better have a peek at him first. Mm, I'll say he's got large earlobes. Looks like a bloodhound. <laughs> well, that won't fool me. Yes? Good evening, Mr. Hemp. Good evening. It's a pleasure to meet you. Smooth. <laughs> Let me shake your hand. <laughs> Better take my else ring off first. So you're the man I've heard so much about. That? You're Honest Harold, the homemaker. Mr. Hemp, I have a favor to ask of you. You won't get a cent out of me. I wonder if I could have your autograph. Ha. Huh? <laughs> you know, you're quite a celebrity with me, Mr. Hemp. I can honestly say that as a radio performer, you're far better than Arthur Godfrey. <laughs> Say it's too bad that you're not on television hmm? I didn't realize you were so handsome uh... <laughs> Has anyone ever told you you look like George Rav? Well, we both use steak home <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Smith, won't you come in? Oh, thank you yeah, Please sit down, Mr. Smith Mother will be right in Fine well, he looks nice and honest. He does have a fine pair of earlobes. Uh, Mr. Smith, Mother tells me you're a salesman. Oh, I, I do that as a sort of hobby. Mm. I love to meet people, you know. I'm, I'm really an oil man, retired. Oh, I see. But uh, just to keep active, I've been merchandising this very useful household gadget. Household gadget? Well, what is it? Well, it's a special kind of powder. It's very handy if you ever have to make a forced landing in the middle of the ocean. Mm -hmm. It repels sharks. <laughs> repels sharks, eh? Well, that sounds like a handy thing to have around the kitchen, all right. <laughs> How are they selling? They're not too well, Honest Harold. Oh. I bought a whole carload of them, too. War surplus, you see. I guess I'm just an old country boy, but I couldn't stand to see the government, my government, stuck with all that shock repellent. <laughs> well, say, you're a real patriot, sincere Sam. Oh, I try to be. Mm -hmm. But you, you are the real humanitarian. I am. Yes, that's a wonderful idea you have. The sunny side of 70 Clubhouse. 
It's too bad you're having trouble raising that money. Well, honest, Harold, I like you. I like your face. Oh, it's just a face. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to raise that money for you. You are? Yes, indeed. All you have to do is to sell my shark repellent powder over your radio program. And you can keep 25 cents out of every dollar for your clubhouse. Gosh, how can I ever thank you? I'm glad to do it. There's just one thing, Honest Harold. Uh, if we're going into this partnership, I'll have to ask you to put up a bond of $50. Bond? Well, um, don't you trust me? Of course, yes. Personally, I trust you 100%. But we have to protect the old folks. Say, that's pretty thoughtful of you, sincere Sam. Yeah. Just a minute here. I'll get my wallet. Yeah, there you are. Thank you. May I have my wallet back now? <laughs> Excuse me. Well, say, thanks for the money. And, uh, and now I want to give you something. Uh? Here is a free sample of my shark repellent powder. Well, thanks, but I don't really need it. A shark would have to be pretty smart to catch me. (laughs) (laughs) And before signing off this morning, dear listeners, I want to thank you all for the way you've been sending in your dollars for our shark repellent powder. Remember, 25 cents of every dollar goes toward outfitting the sunny side of 70 Clubhouse. And by the way, people are having a lot of fun finding ways to use this powder. It shines in the dark, you know. Clem Beggs put some on his beard, and now he can read in bed at night without turning on the nightlight. (laughs) His wife likes it, too. But seriously, folks, you're just about the kindest, nicest people I know. I love those dear hearts and gentle people. Who live in my hometown Because those dear hearts And gentle people Will never ever let you down They read the good book From Friday till Monday That's how the weekend goes I've got a dream house I'll build there one day with picket fence and rambling roads. I feel so welcome each time that I return that my happy heart keeps laughing like a clown. I love the dear hearts and gentle people who live and love in my hometown. 340, 341. All through counting the money, Honest Harold? Eh, almost, sincere Sam. Just have to figure up the small change. 342, 340... Oop, Canadian dime. (laughs) It's been floating around town ever since that bagpipe band from Toronto was up here. (laughs) $342.90. That is wonderful. And we still have one more day to go. Say it. 
This is a lot of money, Sincere Sam. Don't you think we ought to put it in the hotel safe here? Oh, no. I think it would be safer here in the hotel room uh, with me. You do? Yes. I don't trust the manager. Uh-huh. Ever notice? No earlobes. No. <laughs> you can't take chances with a man like that. Yes, you're right. It's a good thing we got you looking after the money, Sincere Sam. Well, thank you, Honest Harold. my office. Uh, what is it, Stanley, old man? Hemp, I want to talk to you about this shark-repellent powder. I'd like to sprinkle some on him. I've just been thinking. Always bragging. Yes, Stanley. If anything should happen to all this money you've taken in, you know this station is liable. Huh? What about this character, Sincere Sam? Are you sure he's honest? One of the most honest men I ever met, Stanley. Relax. This shark powder sounds fishy to me. <laughs> made it funny. <laughs> Looks to me like Sincere Sam has pulled the wool over your eyes. No, I'm just wearing my bangs kind of low today, Stan. <laughs> you're such a sheep. Sheep? Are you sure this Sincere Sam hasn't been fleecing you? Stanley, if it'll make you feel any better, I'll call good old Sam and have him bring the money over right now. Gloria, get me the Antler Hotel. Stanley, you're going to feel awfully ashamed of yourself. Hello? Antler Hotel? I'd like to speak to Sincere Sam Smith, please. Mm-hmm. I'll wait. Calling me a sheep, Stanley. Shame. Hello? What's that? Sincere Sam is gone. He checked out. Well, Hemp, what have you got to say? Return for the second act of our story, Honest Harold, in just a moment. The National Guard is now beginning its 1950 recruiting drive. 220,000 men are needed to reach the desired quota. Why not stop in at your local National Guard recruiting office and learn the full details? To keep America prepared, the National Guard needs you now, today. And by the way, don't miss Harold Perry's important announcement at the end of our show. And now back to Honest Harold, the homemaker. Well, Honest Harold is learning that large earlobes may hide a dishonest heart. For the great philanthropist, sincere Sam Smith, has left town with the money raised for the sunny side of 70 Club. Right now, Harold is in Stanley Peabody's office on the carpet. But I just can't understand it, Stanley. There must be some mistake. There is, Ham. And you made it. And it just goes to prove what I've always said. You're an incompetent, idiotic, bungling, uh... Stupid? Yes. Stupid dolt. <laughs> You're so right, Stanley. And I let all those people down. They'll never get the clubhouse now. And all those nice people who sent in their dollars. And that Canadian with his dime. <laughs> well, you've got more than that to worry about. I hate to do this, but I'm afraid I'm going to have to turn this whole matter over to the police. You mean they'll put sincere Sam in jail? Oh, Mother's going to be very upset about that. Well, she won't have to be. You'll be there with him. <laughs> Stanley, you wouldn't do that. I'm sorry, Hemp, but it's my duty to protect the reputation of this station. Stanley, give me a chance, for old time's sake. Remember the office party? 
last Christmas in the dark under the mistletoe, Stanley? You thought I was Gloria till you felt my mustache? <laughs> This is no time for sentiment, Harold <laughs> now, Honest, Harold, I'll give you just 24 hours to get that money back 24 hours? And if you don't, you'll be going up the river Up the river? Gosh, she's throwing me to the sharks and I sold out all that powder <laughs> Yes, it's no use, Harold. We've called almost every town around here, and there's no sign of sincere Sam. Mm, uh, yes, Gloria, but I just gotta find him. Well, all right. I'll try another town. Good old Gloria. Uh, call the hotel in Honkerville. Uh. Operator, get me Honkerville one three, please. Uh. Hello, Honkerville Plaza. <laughs> just a moment, please. Here's your party, Harold. Yeah, thank you. Hello, desk clerk? I said desk clerk? Mm, must be deaf. Did a stranger check into your hotel lately? He did? And he wore a frock coat? Patent leather shoes? Duck bill haircut? When did you see him last? 1905. <laughs> William Jennings Bryan. Oh, my goodness. What? No, I'm not going to vote for him. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, brother, it's no use, Gloria. We failed. Oh, excuse me, Harold. Huh? Station KHJP. What? What? Oh, thank you. What is it, Gloria? Oh, that was the hotel in Sigmund City. Sincere Sam just checked in there. Oh, Gloria, you're wonderful. <laughs> Why, Harold, you kissed me. Does that mean we're engaged? Gloria, for heaven's sake, I'm in enough trouble now. <laughs> oh, brother, I gotta move fast now. I'll get Pete, the town marshal, and we'll dash over and slip the handcuffs on sincere Sam Smith before he knows it. We'd better hurry, though. He's pretty slippery. He's liable to sneak out of Sigmund City before we get there. Hope the marshal's in. Good. There he is. Marshal, I gotta see you right away. Just a minute, Harold. I'm on the phone. Now, what was that again, Miss Crocker? You you want a dog license? Uh, Pete, this is urgent. And now you just have to wait your turn. Ooh. Now, Miss Crocker, <laughs> I'll have to fill out a form. Uh, what's the dog's name? Geraldine. Well, now that's a cute name. <laughs> yeah, let me write that down. Cute name. And what's the dog's age? Uh-huh. Um, married or single? <laughs> I must have the wrong form. <laughs> oh, brother, look here, Pete. I'm in a hurry. Yeah, well, I'll take care of it, Miss Crocker. Goodbye. Now, what can I do for you, Harold? Well, Pete, How's I... your mother? Did you get over a rheumatism? Yes. Marshal, I want to report a robbery. A robbery? Okay, we'll have to fill out a form. What? <laughs> Where did I put that? Here it is. <laughs> Form kind of dusty. <coughs> Pete! All right, I'm ready. Name, please. Oh, for heaven's sake, you've known me for 20 years. I'm Harold Heff. Let me write that down. H A R O L D Hemp. Sounds like a nickel cigar. <laughs> Pete, will you stop that writing? I want to talk to you. Look at me. You need to shave, boy. <laughs> 
I want you to help me, Pete. I want you to arrest a man named Sincere Sam Smith. Sincere Sam Smith. Let me write that down. <laughs> Will you hurry it up while we're standing here talking? He's absconding with my $343. $343. Let me write that down. <laughs> oh, Nellie, now I've got to start all over. What's the matter now? I forgot to put in some carbon paper. Oh. <laughs> Pete, you're the slowest, most inefficient, most aggravating bungler I ever saw. Besides that, you're an old foof. Let me write that down. <laughs> hey, how do you spell foof? F-O... Never mind. I'll do it myself. Goodbye. Yeah, that marshal's a big help. Well, I'll drive over to Sigmund City and catch Sincere Sam myself. My little old Essex will get me there in no time. Oh, here we are. Uh, uh. Oh, got to get that seat spring fixed. Come on, Essie. There she goes. Darn it. Same old trouble. Chicken feathers in the gasoline. <laughs> I won't buy another gallon of gas from Charlie till he gets rid of those leghorns. Come on. Oh, poor Essie's got asthma. <laughs> gonna do? Wonder where I can borrow a car. Hey, lover boy. Have motor car trouble again? Oh, Doc, in that silly horse and buggy. Oh, there, Silver Moon. <laughs> Silver Moon, she looks like she's in an eclipse. Uh, say, Harold, I just heard you's in a little trouble. That uh, sincere fella skipped out on you, huh? Yes, yeah. Well, I warned you about trusting human beings. Now, if you'd have given that money to a chipmunk... Yeah, all right, Doc. I'm in a hurry. Oh, where are you going? Sigmund City. i got to catch Sincere Sam. Oh, a manhunt. Well, you better get there in a hurry. I know that. Well, Harold, I wouldn't do this for everybody, but since speed is of the essence, I'm going to let you take my horse and buggy. Oh, that's real nice of you, Doc. But I want to get there this week. <laughs> Why, Silver Moon's the fastest buggy horse in town. She's the only buggy horse in town. Well, if you want to split horse hairs... Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's a fine animal, though, front and back. It's not a front and back that worries me, Doc. It's that sag in the middle. <laughs> That's where you ought to put the buggy. Oh, now you're going to hurt her feelings, Harold. Huh? Oh, he didn't mean it, Silver Moon. Oh, my goodness. Doc, I appreciate your offer. Okay, Harold, it's your loss. Silver Moon's got a fine background. Ex-polo pony, ex-race horse... Used to be cavalry horse. First World War. Went over the top at Chateau Theory. How does she ever get over the top with that beer belly? Oh. <laughs> well, come on, Silver Moon. I guess we're not wanted here. Doc, wait a minute. I'll take your offer. Silver Moon ought to be able to make it to Sigmund City. It's all downhill. Come on. Help me in this buggy. All right. Uh, now watch. Watch the step. Yeah. Uh, there you are. <laughs> Giddy up, Silver Moon. <laughs> So long, Doc. So long, Harold. Watch out for speed cop. Say, runs like a racehorse at that. Look at that knee action. <laughs> this is better than my Essex. No shifting. 
Come on, Silver Moon. We'll get to Sigmund City before... Uh-oh, Lumberyard's on fire again. Silver Moon, what are you stopping for? Oh, she's turning around. I better hang on. Silver Moon, you're going the wrong way. Hi, Harold. You back already? <laughs> Doc, where's this racehorse going? She's heading for the lumber yard. I forgot to tell you. Used to be a fire horse, too. <laughs> Silver Moon! Oh, shut up. Harold, you're through. You stalled around all day, and now Sincere Sam has checked out of that hotel in Sigmund City. The sunny side of 70 Club ruined by a shady character. I'm sorry I let all you old folks down. Please forgive me, old friends. I was trying to do the right thing. Guess you'll never have that clubhouse now. It's all my fault. Honest Harold Hemp. I despise you. You deserve to go to jail. This is going to be a great blow to my mother. Her only son in the penitentiary. <laughs> Hello, Mother. I'm home. Oh, I've been wondering where you were, Harold. And there's someone here waiting for you. Who is it, J. Edgar Hoover? Did I hear somebody come in? Why, hello, honest Harold. Sincere Sam. Where you been, boy? Where have I been? Now, look here, Sincere Sam. I what? took a little trip, honest Harold, over to Sigmund City. I took our money along, and I bought out the sporting goods section of the hardware store. And you should have seen the things he brought back, Harold. All kinds of games. Horseshoes, shuffleboard. What? Yes, yes. For the Sunnysiders Clubhouse. I kind of lost my head, I guess. You know, I even spent $50 of my own money there. Uh, you can't do too much for the old folks, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Honest, Harold, I, I hope you weren't worried today about the money. Worried? No. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I took the day off and watched the lumberyard burn down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've just heard the Harold Perry show, Honest Harold, who will return to you in just a moment with that very important message. The supporting players tonight included Ken Peters, Catherine Card, Polly Bayer, and featured Gloria Holiday as Gloria, Joseph Kearns as old Doc Yak Yak, and Art Baker as Sincere Sam. Norman MacDonald directed, and the music was composed and conducted by Jack Meekin. Honest Harold, created by Harold Perry, was written by Gene Stone, Jack Robinson, and Dick Powell. Now back to Honest Harold. You know, Bob, I'm hunting for a laughing lady. Someone we can invite to appear in our show. And what's more, fun than laughing, Bob. And for the lady with a lucky laugh, there's going to be plenty of fun. Because when we find her, we're going to put her on a TWA constellation and fly her to Hollywood, where she'll be my guest at the beautiful Country Club Hotel for a whole week here in Hollywood. And if we could lure her away from the swimming pool, she's to appear with us on the Harold Perry Show. And all a gal has to do for that vacation is just laugh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And her laugh will enter in the Honest Harold Laugh Contest, and it begins right in her hometown. That's your invitation, girls. If that big laugh contest is being conducted in your city, enter, and you may be here with us some Wednesday night. Come on, girls. Let's all laugh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, we wrap up the week with Gunsmoke and the Phil Harris Show. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.